Hello and welcome to the Yoga with Molly Off the Mat podcast. I'm your host Molly and in this podcast we talk all things yoga and life off of the mat. Let's get started. Hi season four, it is good to be back. I am recording pretty early in the morning as is often my style Um, So if my voice sounds a little bit raspy, it's because I'm just waking up. I haven't even had breakfast yet, but I couldn't wait to jump back on the podcast airwaves (laughs) to hang out with you guys. Where we last left off, I think was kind of end of March time at at a time of recording. Um, And I was just coming to the end of my fourth trimester meaning that my my little boy um was about three months old um my first baby um and yeah um my goodness where are we now he is almost or he's around about six months old now so I've had a little bit of a break and yeah, life has continued to evolve and change in really positive ways. The other thing that I did um, that you will have noticed if you follow the podcast is I did record uh, the month after we finished a 30 days of yoga nidra series. Um, so you have 30 days of yoga nidra practices, I think, you know, anywhere from kind of 10 minutes to 20 minutes there shorter practices, um, short enough that you could incorporate them every day if you want to, if you wanted to do a dedicated 30-day series or um, if if you want a selection of of 30 options. Um, So I had a lot of fun recording that. I really did. It was one of those things when I committed to doing that, I was not confident I would see it through. (laughs) I really wasn't. (laughs) But I did it. I did it. Um, And I really enjoyed it. And it really, it pushed my my creativity. And I reconnected to, you know, one element of yoga that I really enjoy and that resonates a lot with me. Um, So that was, that was pretty awesome. On the mum life front, um, I mean, you know, in some ways life gets better and better. I was thinking this last night, our son is sleeping, you know, longer and earlier as well. Um, So probably when I left off, he would have been going to bed at maybe... 11 p.m. you know and maybe waking up with one or two feedings (laughs) now he's going to bed closer to 7 8 p.m. and yeah he's still waking with two to three feedings um but that 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 wake window that he no longer has between like 7 and 10 is time when me and my husband can hang out together do our own thing um so last night he is he has been really into the latest season of Succession. I have never watched it. You can DM me separately and convince me that that's important. <laughs> but, and the thing is, me not joining in on watching it has actually nothing to do with how I feel about the show. But it's this little window. My husband goes, is it okay if I watch my episode of Succession? I'm thinking, 
it means I get to watch my episode of whatever I want to watch on my phone. You know, he'll be on his phone or on the TV watching that. Oh, excuse me. I caught myself there with like what felt like a hiccup and a yawn at the same time. But, um, <laughs> you know, he'll be able to watch his thing. I can sneak off into another room and watch what I want to watch and have one hour of just indulgent TV time. Is that what you expected to hear on a yoga podcast? <laughs> no. You're expecting me to say I sneak off to practice yoga or meditate. I don't. I really don't. Um, not at the moment, I don't. Um, the thing that I want to do more than anything is, uh, is, is watch a little bit of TV. Yeah. You know, transport myself somewhere else for 20 minutes. <sighs> and, um, and just do something silly and easy and yeah you know parenthood can be very intense in the best ways and also in really tough ways and uh yeah but anyway my point is I have a little bit more time for myself um and that has been really blissful I still have days that are tough and in our situation um we have had a lot of worry um, about how well our son is feeding. Um, he was born with a tongue tie and it, it you know, has, has just made feeding a little bit more challenging um, in some ways. A tongue tie in and of itself, if you're not familiar with it, is where, um, you know, the skin that attaches the tongue <laughs> um, uh, to to the mouth is is thick and is tight. Uh, you know, everyone will have a degree of attachment uh, underneath. If you lift your tongue up in the mirror, you'll see what that looks like for your um, for yourself. But if it's particularly tight and short, um, it can make it difficult for babies to latch well, uh, whether it's onto a breast or onto a bottle. Um, and then, you know, that has knock-on effects. If you're struggling to latch, it means you're struggling to get uh, potentially enough milk. Um, it could mean that you're taking in a lot of air when you're taking in milk, which can lead to gassiness. Um, and all of those things can sometimes mean that, you know, babies feel slightly um, averse to feeding as well, because it's a time where, you know, they get tired and they struggle and they're gassy. Um and then I think if you as parents as well are nervous and worried and maybe feel a lot of pressure and maybe are putting a lot of pressure on baby to drink as much as possible because you're concerned, that can also build difficult associations with feeding time, both for baby and for and for parents. So um, all kinds of things uh, that can happen there. And it's it's really tough. Um, not to mention, you know, if, if you decide to have the tongue tie released um meaning there's a procedure where they literally snip the the piece of skin under baby's tongue so that you know to to address that that's a really big decision to make that can feel super emotional um and the aftercare um as well and doing you know little exercises with with your baby um uh yeah is is also not easy and straightforward 
you know, it's like um, physio, <laughs> physio for a baby's mouth. And if you've been through physio yourself, you know that while it is important and healing, it can also be uncomfortable and, you know, a bit of a chore. Um, so, yeah, anyway, yada, 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 yada. It's been wonderful to have the extra time and for us all to grow as a family and to settle into our routines a lot, a lot more and be a little bit braver with kind of going out with the baby. Um, but at the same time, the feeding challenges that we've had definitely became more stressful um, as time went on um, because yeah, it, 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 it just, it just did. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's a long time. Six months is a long time to have something like this hovering over a family um, and being concerned about the weight gain of your baby and, um, you know, feel, feeling unsure about how to move forwards and, um, and, and what the right thing is to do. And I can imagine on that topic, actually, you know, in my case, it was a feeding difficulty, but, you know, knowing are you doing the right thing? Are you acting in the best interest of your child? I think when it comes to particularly making medical decisions, um, has been one of the harder aspects of, of parenthood, at least for me so far. So yeah, that's where we are. But overall, we're in um, we're in a pretty, pretty good place. Um, yeah. All right. Um, let's get into the podcast in a second. Uh, before I do, um, I think I'd shared up front, I kind of loosely like to work with themes for each season of the podcast, um, just to make sure that I'm challenging my mind to go into a place of depth as well as breadth in the subject matters that I'm uh, discussing. And um, I think season one was pretty broad in general. I had just done my yoga teacher training and I was dipping my toe into, you know, I, I would almost call it extra credit for my yoga teacher training, things that I wanted to explore a little bit further you know am I going to be teaching broad yoga classes or private yoga classes um my relationship to my own spine and backbending was a big deal for me so exploring that a little bit further so I was kind of just you know dipping my toe further into areas that were interesting and new to me personally um season two was prenatal I was pregnant uh and then season three most recently was um, the fourth trimester, I'm going to say, um, rather than kind of postpartum, postnatal, um, gen generally, um, I definitely felt a difference during that fourth trimester, um, compared to how I feel now, for example, because I, I still was recovering from pregnancy. I guess that is the big difference. You're both recovering from pregnancy and adjusting to life as a parent and your baby is adjusting to life in the world. And um, while those things, you know, continue and they don't end neatly at three months, um, definitely for me, like the biggest whirlwinds and changes were happening during that period of time. Whereas now I feel like I'm experiencing things in layers. 
Um, but you know, stay tuned, that could all change. Um, what I really wanted to focus on this season is actually the things that I'm learning from my son and it's to do with playing. Um, it's to do with play. I think, you know, one of my own mentors and teachers is incredibly playful in her own practice and incorporates a lot of play, it, you know, in, in the language that she uses and, uh, and and that kind of thing. And I've I've always been really inspired by her and by the practice that she shares. Um, and yeah, I'm thinking about play a lot as I, as I think about, you know, ways to introduce learning and joy for my son as well. So, um, let's see how it goes. It's a little bit new and it feels strange sharing on a topic where I feel like such a beginner, but I also remind myself that this podcast is not a seminar or a workshop or a how-to. It's, you know, about sharing with with authenticity and, you know, sparking conversation. So I'll, I'll share my journey as I go along, what I'm learning, what I'm trying, how it relates to yoga, how those practices, you know, practices, how the playtime with my son translates into play themes for the yoga classes that I may be sequencing or my own self-practice. And we'll take it from there. So without further ado, let's dive in. So the first thing I want to say on the topic of playing is I'm thinking about things in two ways when it comes to playing with my son. One is there is no right or wrong way to play. Anything can be play when, you know, and I'll give you an example. One of his favorite things to play with are my water bottles. Um, I noticed this, you know, I'd be hanging out with him, taking sips from a water bottle. Um, and he's looking at them in just absolute wonder, mesmerized. And I'll shake my water bottle. I'll turn it upside down. There'll be little bubbles in it. I'll hand it over to him. And he's fascinated and thinks it's exciting and awesome and just one of the coolest things he's ever seen, <laughs> which is really handy because I do not go anywhere without a water bottle, which means that in any circumstances, if we are stuck in a traffic jam, in a taxi, oh my goodness, which we were this weekend, um, we were driving through the Wembley area of London and made the mistake of doing so just as an important football match was ending. And Oh my goodness, the stress. It was a hot day in a car that had no air conditioning with a baby who was hungry. <laughs> and the traffic was standstill. I mean, luckily it was only for about 40 minutes. But 40 minutes when you don't know when the car is going to move. And I was running out of milk um, in, uh, in, in, in the car in his bottle. Um, I was really nervous. Everything was fine. But the one comfort I really had was that my water bottle was with me. It still had water in it. <laughs> um, and that was a welcome distraction and toy for him <laughs> um, when we were in that situation. Um, 
the lack of air conditioning as well was stressful for two reasons actually with the windows down it would have been cool enough but because we were on a busy road bumper to bumper I was choosing between okay windows closed the car is a couple of degrees warmer versus windows open it's a little bit cooler but we are literally inhaling the car fumes <laughs> thousands of cars oh boy anyway you guys don't need to know any more about that suffice it to say it was stressful but there's no right or wrong way to play so anything that is around can be used for playtime i find the other thing though as a parent is that um you know, I have to challenge myself to get creative because you're not going to spend 12 hours a day every day just shaking a water bottle at your child, <laughs> you know, and un unless you are able to really use your imagination with the things that you have to hand and, and actively get stuck in, there's a risk that, yeah, you know, you'll find yourself getting really bored, baby might be getting bored as well, or, um, the other trap that I've been drawn to as well is just the want to constantly buy new things, new toys, new, even props, you know, um, if my son has enjoyed me, you know, um, using kind of a sensory scarf or just any scarf, even a muslin actually to entertain him, <clears throat> I'll find myself thinking, oh, okay, I can buy, you know, 10 different ones, 10 different colors, um, to, to mix it up and, uh, that can become very costly very quickly and is also not super sustainable um, as well. Um, so I find having, you know, some inspiration for different types of play can be really helpful. So all I did, I, can't, I think originally I came across this, you know, maybe online on social media or something like that. Um, but if you just type in to a search engine, different types of play. I think I came across one infographic from, I think it was actually the Scottish government, which I found particularly helpful. And they had listed out kind of, I don't know, 10 or 12 different types of play that are important for children. And um, I have been studying that for lack of a better word um to inspire you know how I might think about playing with my own son and some of it um is probably beyond his understanding right now <laughs> um but then you know uh, uh, other things aren't so for example um I think one of the categories is imaginative play um, meaning that you use your imagination. Um, when you're using your imagination during play, a lot of it really relies on words, right? So, wow, you know, now my hand has turned into a broom or, you know, whatever. Um, I think he still enjoys, <laughs> he still enjoys it when we get imaginative, but he has no idea what's going on. He probably just thinks I've lost the plot. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, Hang on, I feel like I'm holding in such a big yawn. Could you indulge me? <sighs> mm, thank you. I considered pausing the podcast, but that one just needed to come out. Um, and it's not because I'm bored chatting with you. It's because it's, you know, quarter past six in the morning. 
and I've been up since four. <laughs> and that's mom life, guys. That's mom life. Um, that's parent life, uh, quite frankly. Possibly sibling life. It's a lot of people's lives. It's uh, doesn't make it easy. Um, so the type of play that I want to talk about today, um, just bearing all of that in mind, like I said, I think sourcing your play into too many categories and, you know, over overworking it, over stylizing it. Um, it's not something that you need to do. But you know, at, at, at the same time, I do find it helpful sometimes to think about play in different categories to encourage me to try new forms of play. So the one that I'm thinking about today is, um, I think they call it deep play. And other other words for this are uh, risky play an adventurous play. Um, now, I'm still learning as I go. From what I understand, this becomes a lot more important as your child becomes older. So allowing them to take healthy risk. Examples, you know, playing on a jungle gym, <laughs> you know, going along the monkey bars, running really fast, like the risk that you would fall over and scrape your knee, um, and and things like that. I'm not a child psychologist. I cannot talk to you in a lot of depth about why that is important, but I believe it is important for their development and for their self-confidence in some capacity. Um, bear with me. So <laughs> I'm supportive of it. And quite frankly, without knowing all of the benefits of this to my child, I think it's also really important for me. Um, one of the biggest hurdles that I've had as a new parent has been worry and anxiety. Yeah, shock, gasp. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And, you know, just constantly worrying about worst case scenario. And, um, you know, as, as soon as you become a parent, you know, people give you very, very good and important advice around safe sleep. Um, so, of course, you spend the next few months worrying that something awful is going to happen. <laughs> Um, and being very, very vigilant around your child sleeping. Important for you to do, uh, pretty draining on your mental health, I would say, as a parent. Then comes weaning. You're introducing your child to solids. Um, so then you've got to watch them hypervigilantly at every mealtime and be terrified of them choking. And, and it goes on and on and on and on. And I don't think you get much reprieve from that um, as a parent. So... I actually find this concept that you would take kind of like a measured approach to to risk, watch your child in a situation where there is potential, um, some small small degree of risk, and seeing that they're okay and that they thrive and that you're there to support them when they need you to, is I think really important to build your confidence as a parent and your resilience as a parent as well. So, you know, what does that look like for a very small baby? Honestly, for me, um, an example of this is actually tummy time. <laughs> so um, uh, tummy time is one of those things that involves placing baby on their tummy. They have to be really super um, uh, closely supervised uh, during um, during this when they're when they're little, um, it's helping them to build strength through their neck and their back and teaching them to lift their head up. Um, of course, risks are that they um, 
fall on their face <laughs> or, or, or that they smush their face into the ground and that they have a couple of seconds where um, they are, you know, they, they've accidentally blocked off their uh, airways. Um, risk, by the way, does not mean leaving them in those situations ever. If my son looks like he smushed his face into the ground, I immediately help lift him up and, and put him into into safe situations. Um, but the reason that that felt risky for me is it felt a lot safer to just leave him on his back, <laughs> you know, in a position that he was comfy in, where I could see him, where I knew he was totally safe. And I think for taking those first steps to say, no, actually, we're going to try something new. And this is really important. And um, it might not be the comfiest thing. And, you know, I'm a little bit nervous doing it. But this is a this is a really great thing to to um, pro progress with. Um, lots of different examples of that. I mean, I remember when I first went to my very first playgroup class with my son. And oh, my goodness, I was just I was so nervous with all of the all of the props that were lying around. Sorry, I have another yawn that's in the um <laughs> that's 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 trying to creep out. I mean, I'm even lost for the words this morning. I'm a tired mama. Um, I feel embarrassed to say it after last season when I said I'm not really sleep deprived. I was very sleep deprived, but I was also very adrenalized. You know, I was constantly on and constantly pumped full of adrenaline. Um you know, because I was learning so much and I was so nervous. Now I'm still tired, but um, I'm slightly more relaxed. And <sighs> means I'm yawning a lot more. Um, so, yeah, um, allowing my baby to take some risks. Um, what are some of the things that he's up to at the moment that feel risky to me? He is loving rolling over from back to front and front to back. And he feels like a little floor acrobat at the moment. And occasionally when he's doing so, he'll roll over and accidentally he'll get his arm stuck under his torso or under his belly or it's kind of twisted to one side. And I can see him there thinking, hmm, 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 you know, how do I handle this situation? Or he might even let out a few kind of like annoyed sounds like, yeah, <laughs> um, and I've had to develop some comfort just waiting a few seconds um, just to see if he's able to figure things out for himself, particularly now that he has very good head control um, and he rarely slash ever is face planting <laughs> the way that maybe little babies do um, or uh, spewing as well. Actually, that was the other thing that was pretty common when he was young. If I hadn't left it long enough after a feed and usually that meant trying to time it 10 minutes before I think he'll next be hungry. <laughs> um, then there was a chance when he was on his belly that he would spew everywhere. Um, but just giving him a little bit of time to see if he can problem solve himself. Um, not only do I think that it is helping him, but I get so nervous about him rolling onto his belly at night while we're asleep, even though he's in a cot next to us. Um, I'm, I get nervous that I wouldn't hear it for some reason and that he would struggle to roll back or to lift himself up. And I don't know, you know, uh, just typical mom stuff, imagining the worst possible thing that could happen. Um, so I think during the day, just in a, in a supervised and safe way, watching how he handles situations like that, they build my confidence and they build not only his confidence, but his strength. 
um, as well his physical strength, which is really um, important. So I think that's a theme that, you know, in parenthood is going to continue uh, forever, <laughs> forever and ever. I can all the way through to him leaving home one day and me not feeling like it's ready, but knowing, hey, these are healthy risks um, and they help us, they help us grow. So, um, yeah. So all of that having been said, um, and those are small, um, small examples. How am I thinking about that in the context of my self-practice and as a yoga teacher? This is really not my strength. It is not my strength. And you may have already picked up on that if you're a parent. For some people, tummy time is not something that they worry about at all. <laughs> you know, um, And you might be surprised to hear that for me, that felt super risky and that I was nervous about it. I'm naturally someone who you know, tends towards the anxious and tends towards the conservative, I think, in her own practice, um, but also in my own life in a lot of ways. I'm very aware of risk um, and I'm easily, uh, I'm easily, what's the word, uh, spooked by it. Yeah, I'm easily spooked by it. So for me, it meant, you know, things that were a little bit riskier, um, backbends, uh, inversions, arm balances, things where there was a risk of um, falling or that felt very different, very new in my body. And I, I didn't have an established pattern of self-trust going into those um, poses. Um, even deep kind of stretches like the front splits and that kind of thing, I shy away from really softening into those types of poses for the same reason as well. Not only am I afraid to practice them, I'm afraid to teach them. Um, I'm really afraid of something happening, you know, in a class and being accountable um, for someone who's, you know, fallen over attempting to to take on like a challenging arm balance that I have uh, taught in, uh, in some capacity. Um, that's just the truth about me <laughs> and why I teach the way that I do and, and why I have the style um, of yoga teaching that I do, which is a little bit more um, gentle. It's less of a strong practice. Now, you know, that having been said, um, I see benefit in trying to flex beyond that and trying to expand for the same reason that looking at this for me and my son I see that it's good for both of us. I can imagine that exploring a little bit more risk and a little bit more spice as a yoga teacher is good both for me and for my students as well. Um, so as is often the case, I, I use this, this, uh, this podcast to sometimes workshop my ideas as a teacher <laughs> to speak things out loud, to get really honest. And afterwards that helps me develop new classes. So at the moment, I don't have any specific fixed commitment, but I can feel the grains of something in there, you know, whether it is really committing to doing a series that is focused on things that feel riskier to me, not just practicing it, but actually teaching it as well. <laughs> um, I think could probably be a really good thing for me. 
I'd love to hear your reflections on mm, deep play, risk play, adventurous play, um, getting spicy in your own yoga practice when it comes to taking on new challenges, where there is, you know, a safe risk. Um, I'm not suggesting dangerous risks, i.e. let's see what happens if I challenge this injury that I have. <laughs> um, you know, no. Um, but, you know, uh, healthy risk, you know, things things that allow for adventure and expansion and development. Um, I'd, I'd love to, to hear your experiences of, and maybe you can inspire a little bit of confidence in me as I take my next steps on the journey as well. Playing aside, um, I just wanted to share a little bit of an update on, what I have been focusing on in my own practice, in my own life, when it comes to my body and my yoga. A um, few things. I filmed but have not released, I haven't even finished editing it yet, a very short, lightweight, <coughs> excuse me, um, postpartum bundle. Um, these are not full-length classes. They are more kind of uh, five to ten minute movement snacks and movement I'm going to call it wisdom so um, not that I'm trying to proclaim myself to be wise in any way but things that I learned postnatally that really helped me um, that helped relieve uh, tension discomfort in my body things that just felt really good as I was recovering from pregnancy and adjusting to life as a parent which can be really physically demanding, you know, holding, rocking, bouncing your baby, feeding your baby, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, that that was one area that I was um, exploring. Um, the other thing, though, now is um, physically, I'm looking at two things. One, I continue six months postnatally to have some pelvic girdle pain. It's really surprised me. I had heard about this but I felt pretty reassured <laughs> that for most people, it disappears when baby is born. Not the case for me. I've been to physiotherapy, as I shared on. Um, I've been doing some strength training, um, but I continue to have pelvic girdle pain. Um, it is not as severe as it was, but it is definitely still there. And that's that's a journey for me. Um uh, and and the other thing that's really surprised me, when I've shared this as a goal with, um, I guess, someone who's not specialized in, I don't know, postnatal conditions, whenever I say I have pelvic girdle pain, so I really need to strengthen the area around my pelvis, so many people have have said oh yeah um we can do things to help your pelvic floor and I, i'd love some thoughts and opinions and wisdom on this for me the pelvic girdle pain is not about the pelvic floor um the pelvic floor 
is what holds your internal muscles in, <laughs> uh, sorry, your internal organs in. Um, uh, symptoms of a of a weak or overstretched pelvic floor could be uh, incontinence in some capacity, so struggling to hold uh, wee in, uh, needing to go to the bathroom very quickly, uh, a ton of other things. There could be issues with prolapse. Um, pelvic girdle pain is really more about the stability of the pelvis, is my understanding. So it's really more your glutes, your hips, um, even your core as well. It's all of the big muscle groups around the pelvis that keep it stable and keep it aligned, whereas the pelvic floor is more what's inside the pelvis. <laughs> and, um, you know, for sure, while you can't really segment the, 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 the body in very simple terms, you wouldn't want an overstretched pelvic floor and then you know, a very strong toned outer area, you you want to bring balance, you know, and, and for sure, I think, um, looking at the pelvic floor and rehab for the pelvic floor post pregnancy, because regardless of what your delivery was like, um, the weight of pregnancy on the pelvic floor muscles is tough in 100% of cases. <laughs> um, and I think I know I've shared this previously, something like 50% of people who have experienced a pregnancy will in their life experience a full or partial prolapse of those internal organs, be it um, the bladder, be it your digestive organs, or um, the cervix, the uterus, uh, your, your reproductive organs, you could experience prolapse. And that just goes to show you um, how tough pregnancy is on the pelvic floor. So it's not, it's not to dismiss that. Um, but I really found a, a lot of people haven't understood the pelvic girdle pain specifically and the need to really strengthen around the hips and the glutes and the core in order to um, support that part of your, uh, of your body. So I'm still on a, I'm still on a journey with that. I'm on a hopeful journey with that. The one thing that I'll be honest is totally within my control um, that I haven't been sufficiently committed to is consistency. You know, I'll have some weeks where I'll be doing my physio exercises every day and then after three days it kind of trails off and then I'll do them once a week or when the pain is particularly bad. I haven't been consistent, definitely haven't been consistent and that's within my control to kind of get back to. The other thing... Um, that controversially, it's not anything that anyone has advised me to do, but in my heart of hearts, I just feel it would help, would be to lose some weight. Um, you know, at the moment, I am still carrying a lot more weight than I was um, prenatally. And I know from experience in the past when I've gained a lot of weight and lost a lot of weight, you know, carrying extra weight, um, and in my case, a, a lot of extra weight, um, it can cause all kinds of aches and pains and niggles in the body. Um, it just can because your 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 body is supporting more weight, and also, uh, I think it can sometimes fall into what I would describe as compensating patterns. Um, you know, which which can cause some difficulty, and certainly having a big tummy. Uh, and 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 big upper body as well is hard on the back 
is, um, you know, and, and I've, I feel that in my, in my lower back and that connects to my hips and my glutes. And so, um, yeah, one of the, the things I think in addition to building strength and continuing to get any other support I might need there from healthcare professionals, I genuinely do think that losing a little bit of weight, taking a little bit of the load off of my joints um, further is going to make a big difference. And that is, is just a very slow process, um, that you got to practice with a lot of love, a lot of patience, a lot of kindness, um, and good education as well. Make sure that, you know, that you're still nourishing yourself. Uh, and in my case, uh, as someone who is continuing to nurse, um, continuing to express a lot of breast milk, um, every day, you know, factoring that in as well. So, um, I'm on a journey, but it's a, it's a slow one. I have been losing weight since, um, since, uh, the delivery of my, of my son, but I have, I have a way to go before, um, I think I start feeling comfortable and I really do mean physically comfortable as opposed to, uh, how I look, um, necessarily. Um, so yeah, that's the first thing, uh, <laughs> pelvic girdle pain. Um, I am working on the other thing that I'm really enjoying. I have been the past six months is working on my forwards fold. It's not easy to fold when you're pregnant and I really missed it. <laughs> And I'm really enjoying getting back into it now that I am. It feels weird to say no longer pregnant. Pregnancy feels like a long time ago. And that feels good to say, let me tell you. It's no secret. I did not enjoy the physical experience of pregnancy. I found it rough. I was sick for 10 months straight and uh, in pain for the second half of it as well. Um, <laughs> anxious tired. It was rough. It was really rough. I was grateful and excited every day to meet my son. But, um, you know, the love and excitement and joy and gratitude I felt was not enough for me to forget day to day how sick I felt in pregnancy. It just wasn't. Um, that's, that's just the fact of it. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm working on my forwards fold, um, at, at the moment. Um, how am I doing that? I'm, I'm just practicing it a, a, a lot. I'm really enjoying just incorporating forwards folds. Um, but the other thing that I'm doing to progress in my forward fold as well, other than pelvic stability and alignment, because actually how you, how you fold forward has a lot to do with, um, the sh not even the shape uh how how your pelvis sits you know whether you have a slightly more anterior or posterior tilt in your pelvis whether you're even through both of your hips um so a little bit of it is i, I guess skeletal um and uh the other aspect to it as well though is strength um, the strength that you have through your hamstrings, the back chain of the body, um, and also your core, I would say. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always a big 
believer in the stronger your muscles are, the more prepared they are actually for um um for mobility. Um, and it may seem counterintuitive. I, I feel like a lot of people think that you kind of want these long stretched out muscles or, you know, potentially that strength training would cause a tension that is not conducive to stretching or mobility and flexibility. Um, I really find the opposite. I find that, I mean, let's talk about the the hamstrings specifically. If you are familiar with P and F stretching, um, haven't written down how to, and am I able to look it up while I record? It's something like proprioceptive something muscle stretching. <laughs> it's essentially where you take a muscle and you contract it, right? So you make it active and then you relax it and it allows for um, greater expansion and a deeper stretch. Um, really, really common way to improve mobility and flexibility and really effective as well. So um, if you are trying to improve your forward fold in some capacity and you feel that you are really tight through the hamstrings, um, experimenting with some PNF stretching, so actually strengthening that muscle and actively practicing contracting and active activating it and then relaxing it may help you um, you know access greater range. So I'm playing with a little bit of that um, purely for pleasure. I'm enjoying it very much. Um, so I'm progressing my forwards fold. Uh, I'm working on my pelvic stability and the other, element that is ongoing um, is nurturing my mental health and nurturing my mind. I have completely fallen out of my meditation practice the past few months. I was someone who practiced every single day, um, sometimes for extended periods, sometimes meditating for up to half an hour every day um, in an unguided way to kind of patchy meditation. I found meditation really tough when I was pregnant um, because it just left me alone with the sickness I was feeling and that was, it was too much. It was too intense. I think it's good to expose yourself to the full intensity of life, but I was not ready for it. I was not ready for it. <laughs> so um, yeah, I kind of fell out of the practice a little bit then and it's been really hard to get back into as a new parent. Um, I won't bore you with the reasons why, but I'm either too busy kind of watching my baby sleep. <sighs> Excuse me. So if he's asleep and I'm awake and I have an opportunity to meditate in that moment, it is it is literally hard for me in full consciousness to close my eyes <laughs> and not be observing him uh, or doing some other jobs around the house. Um, and that's probably the challenge in its simplest terms. So I've fallen out of my meditation practice and it's something that I desperately want to come back to. And I'm finding it hard to. There's a lot of resistance there for me. And even though I know, you know, as the old adage goes, those people who struggle to meditate, don't have time to meditate, are probably the ones that need it the most and should meditate for even longer. Um, I'm just finding it hard. I'm finding it very hard to come back. Um, but, 
Uh, I'm finding positive ways to support my mental health outside of that. Um, going for walks with my baby in the pram. Um, so kind of mindful walking, that kind of thing has been really helpful and really supportive. So I'm trying not to beat myself up too much for the things that I'm not doing and focus more on the things that I am. Um, but that certainly is a practice that, you know, I'm feeling the gap of it. I really am. And I'm, I'm hoping to come back to it soon. Um, yeah. That's where I am at uh, at the moment in my practice. It's all all pelvic strength, a little bit of forwards fold, and trying to reconnect with my meditation. That is all for today, gang. I have really enjoyed being back. Feels like I never left, even though it's been two months. What? Is that right? Yeah, even though it's been two months. Um, I'm looking forward to another episode next week. Have great weeks. And here's to another season. Here's to hopefully another, another really fun season. Speak to you soon.